Ladies and gentlemen, the George Wilder Jr. Show has now arrived. Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. 
All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Glad you can be with me. Always, always appreciate your support and uh, listenership. And I don't take that, you know, uh, for granted. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, we are now on the air. Hate lies have no home here. Uh, there is nothing wrong with making a mistake. What is wrong is not taking the time and effort to make it right. It's always something good here on the George Wilder Jr. Show to keep you motivated, to keep you in the game, to keep you positive. We don't want nobody listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show who is depressed, lonely. Uh, well, a lot of us get lonely, even in big crowds, even when people are around us. Sometimes we feel lonely, but um, I guess what I'm saying is lonely and depressed because there's a lot of people who live, who live by themselves who live alone. And some people enjoy living alone. Some people enjoy their own company. Some people do not. And we have to respect those kinds of people. You know, uh, they enjoy uh, whatever uh, kind of life they're living. If they're enjoying it, you know, you got to wish them the best, right? But for those who do not enjoy loneliness, I mean, there is always, and I'm not being facetious when I say this, you can get a pet, a dog, you know, adopt a dog, adopt a dog. And, uh, you'll see how uh, things will change. You know, I mean, I've, I've seen many seniors, especially seniors uh, who live by themselves. They don't have family. They don't have anybody. Uh, I've seen many, many, many seniors and the elderly adopt pets. I mean, some people uh, even bring them and give them pets, you know, to keep them company, to keep them positive. And one of the things about a pet uh especially for seniors, could be serious, something that could uh, actually cause them to live longer. Because when you have a pet, <laughs> you're going to have to take that pet out and walk him for these 15 to 20 minutes a day. And then at the same time you're walking the pet, you're getting exercise for yourself, especially uh, seniors I'm talking about. They're getting exercise, exercise they normally would not get if they didn't have a pet because they wouldn't go out anywhere. And I see that all the time around where I'm living right now, seniors out walking and just enjoying themselves, whether they have a pet or not, they know they have to get that blood going. <laughs> they, they, know, they know they have to get that blood flowing. So, um, uh, you know, I mean, if, if, if you know anybody who's lonely and, and, and out of it, who, I mean, and also go by and, and uh, at least contact it. Uh, your elderly uh, friends, neighbors, uh, relatives, uh, especially if they're living alone, and and uh, you want to make sure that everything's fine and copacetic because, you know, uh, the Trump administration, they don't give two dams about the elderly, <laughs> the, the, the disabled, the poor, the hungry. They don't give two dams about it. But w me and you, we have to care. We have to care. You know, I mean, Trump is. He he's only in office temporarily. He will be out, hopefully going to prison or something. Uh, but uh, me and you and the rest of Americans, we do care, and we will continue to care that, because that's what we are. Americans are loving and helping and caring people. We've got somebody in the White House who is not that. Uh, no way, no no how. All right, it Trump done screwed up somewhere else. He didn't sign this tariff thing. Uh, raising 
steel and aluminum prices is going going to cost jobs. It's gonna everything else is gonna go up. I mean, everything this guy touches, uh, people should know that everything he touches just goes to rot, and America is going to rot because he he's he he. In some instances, he shouldn't be allowed to do it, do a damn thing until these these investigations are over. But the Republicans, they're complicit, and there's nothing we can do except for mobilize and vote these scoundrels out. That's all we can do. Uh, hate lies, and uh, hate and lies have they have no business on the George Wilder Jr. show. As everybody knows, Billy Graham. The evangelist died a few, uh, maybe a week ago, a week and a half ago. Uh, but nobody's in love with his son, Franklin. <laughs> Franklin Graham. This guy is a Trump supporter. And and he's making a controversial statement, as always. He's saying this, Trump stopped sinning when he became president. Far-right pastor Franklin Graham claims that Trump has yet to sin once since becoming president i mean you you know i call these that kind of kinds of uh, stupid lying statements coming from christians coming from evangelicals uh, you know it makes you not want to set foot in another church because you you don't know what the pastor is like <laughs> you don't know what anything is like anymore uh you got people uh christians who are trump supporters even though trump doesn't give a damn about any kind of Christian or religion. He doesn't care. His motive, what he cares about is destroying um, and distracting America. That's what he cares about. And every time he does something, all he's doing is distracting. Even with this tariff, uh, signing of this tariff uh, uh, and this trade war that we're about to get in, uh, it's a distraction away from uh, Stormy Daniels paying off a process paying a porn star $130,000. Uh, it, it's a distraction. All he does is, is distract. As if, we, as if we, the American people, we're going forget, to forget what was said two or three days ago or a week ago or a month ago, six months ago about him. He's just been distracting forever. He's a distractor. Hoping we forget. Hoping we don't... Uh, Stop talking about what he did yesterday or what happened a week ago and uh, and focus on what he's doing and saying now. Of course, we're going to focus on a lot of things that Trump says because words matter. He's the president of the United States. What he does, what he says matters. It makes the news. It, 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 um, he's the president of the United States. It affects America, whatever he does and what he says, and it makes news. And he knows this. If there's one thing Donald Trump is good at, that's distraction. That is distraction. You know, he's a guilty man on his way out, uh, whether it's impeachment or jail. He can't last. This can't last. America can't last this this way. Something has something big and something momentous has to occur. We can't go on like this. This man is just taking America down. I mean, his businesses, how many businesses have gone bankrupt under Donald Trump? Now America is going bankrupt under Donald Trump. Anything this guy touches, anything he, he, he has his fingers on or, or pulse uh, goes down, 
the toilet. And if you don't know much about Donald Trump, research it. But you, but you ought to know that he's president of the United States. The whole world knows this. And I'm speaking to the whole world. And this show gets out all over the world. And this is just awful. It is just awful. And Franklin Graham, back to Franklin Graham. Trump stopped sending. This guy is a nut. He always has been. Even when his father was alive, he was. He's. He's a. He's a nut. He's a Donald Trump. Butt. Butt kisser. And there's so many of these evangelists and these Christians. Uh, you wonder what the hell is. What the hell is wrong with them? Saying that Donald Trump is a saint. When he's starving poor people, when he wants to take away this, take away that, he wants to control the Internet because he feels that the Internet is uh, the, the social media and all this stuff is against him. And they are. They really are. He's, he, he's telling the truth on that part. If he if he's if he's thinking that or if he have, has said that. OK. And. Um, All right, you've been listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show on Black Talk Radio. Let's do Ashley Judd is on the show. My God, let's <laughs> let's do this. All right. I must have deleted. Ashley Judd, stupid fucking slut. You can't sue someone for calling them a cunt. If you can't handle the internet, fuck off, whore. I wish Ashley Judd would die a horrible death. She is the absolute worst. Ashley Judd, you're the reason women shouldn't vote. Twisted is such a bad movie, I don't even want to rape it. Whatever you do, don't tell Ashley Judd she'll die alone with a dried out vagina. If I had to fuck an older woman, oh my God, I would fuck the shit out of Ashley Judd. That bitch is hot AF. The unforgivable shit I would do to her. Online misogyny is a global gender rights tragedy, and it is imperative that it ends. Women's voices and our allies' voices are constrained in ways that are personally, economically, professionally, and politically damaged. And when we curb abuse, we will expand freedom. I am a Kentucky basketball fan, so on a fine March day last year, I was doing one of the things I do best. I was cheering for my Wildcats. The daffodils were blooming, but the referees were not blowing the whistle when I was telling them to. <laughs> Funny, they're very friendly to me before the opening tip, but they really ignore me during the game. Three of my players were bleeding, so I did the next best thing. I tweeted. It is routine for me to be treated in the ways I've already described to you. It happens to me every single day on social media platforms such as Twitter and Facebook. Since I joined Twitter in 2011, misogyny and misogynists have amply demonstrated they will dog my every step. My spirituality, my faith, being a hillbilly, I can say that, you can't, all of it is fair game. And I have responded to this with various strategies. 
I've tried engaging people. This one guy was sending me hyper-sexual, nasty stuff, and there was a girl in his avatar, and I wrote him back and said, is that your daughter? I feel a lot of fear that you may think about and talk to women this way. And he surprised me by saying, you know what, you're right, I apologize. Sometimes people want to be held accountable. This one guy was musing to I don't know who, that maybe I was the definition of a cunt. I was married to a Scot for 14 years, so I said, cunt means many different things in different countries. But I'm pretty sure you epitomize the global standard of a dick. I've tried to rise above it, I've tried to get in the trenches, but mostly I would scroll through these social media platforms with one eye partially closed, trying not to see it, but you can't make a cucumber out of a pickle. What is seen goes in, it's traumatic. And I was always secretly hoping in some part of me that what was being said to me and about me wasn't true. Because even I, an avowed, self-declared feminist, who worships at the altar of Gloria, <laughs> internalize the patriarchy. This is really critical. Patriarchy is not boys and men. It is a system in which we all participate, including me. On that particular day, for some reason, that particular tweet after the basketball game triggered something called a cyber mob, this vitriolic, global outpouring of the most heinous hate speech, death threats, rape threats. And don't you know, when I was sitting at home alone in my nightgown, I got a phone call, and it was my beloved former husband, and he said on a voicemail, loved one, what is happening to you is not okay. And there was something about him taking a stand for me that night that allowed me to take a stand for myself, and I started to write. I started to write about sharing the fact that I'm a survivor of all forms of sexual abuse, including three rapes, and the hate speech I get in response to that. These are just some of the comments posted to news outlets. Being told I'm a snitch is really fun. Thank you, Jesus. May your grace and mercy shine. So I wrote this feminist op-ed. It is entitled, Forget Your Teen. It is your online gender violence toward girls and women that can kiss my righteous ass. <laughs> and I did that alone, and I published it alone, because my chief advisor said, please don't. The reign of retaliatory garbage that is inevitable, I fear for you. But I trust girls, and I trust women, and I trust our allies. It was published. It went viral. It proves that every single day, online misogyny is a phenomenon endured by us all, all over the world. And when it is intersectional, it is worse. Sexual orientation, gender identity, race, ethnicity, religion, you name it, it amplifies the violence endured by girls and women. And for our younger girls, it is worse. It's clearly traumatizing. Our mental health, our emotional well-being are so gravely affected because the threat of violence is experienced neurobiologically as violence. The cortisol shoots up, the limbic system gets fired, we lose productivity at work. And let's talk about work. Our ability to work is constrained. 
Online searches of women applying for jobs reveal nude pictures of them, false allegations they have STDs, their addresses indicating that they are available for sex. With real examples of people showing up at this house for said sex. Our ability to go to school is impaired. 96% of all postings of sexual images in our young people, girls, our girls, our boys, are two to three times more likely non-consensually to share images. And I want to say a word about revenge porn. Part of what came out of this tweet was my getting connected with allies and other activists who are fighting for a safe and free internet. We started something called the Speech Project, curbing abuse, expanding freedom, and that website provides a critical forum because there is no global legal thing to help us figure this out. But we do provide on that website a standardized list of definitions because it's hard to attack a behavior in the right way if we're not all sharing a definition of what that behavior is. And I learned that revenge porn is often dangerously misapplied. It is the non-consensual sharing of an image used tactically to shame and humiliate a girl or woman that attempts to pornography us, our natural sexuality is, I don't know about yours, pretty gorgeous and wonderful. And my expressing it does not pornography make. So I have all these resources that I'm keenly aware so many people in the world do not. I was able to start the speech project with colleagues. I can often get a social media company's attention. I have a wonderful visit to Facebook HQ coming up. Hasn't helped the idiotic reporting standards yet. I actually pay someone to scrub my social media feeds, attempting to spare my brain the daily iterations of the trauma of hate speech. And guess what? I get hate speech for that. Oh, you live in an echo chamber. Well, guess what? Having someone post a photograph of me with my mouth open saying they can't wait to come on my face, I have a right to set that boundary. Okay. And this distinction between virtual and real is specious because guess what? That actually happened to me once when I was a child and so that tweet brought up that trauma and I had to do work on that. But you know what we do? We take all of this hate speech and we disaggregate it and we code it, and we give that data so that we understand the intersectionality of it. You know, when I get porn, when it's about political affiliation, when it's about age, when it's about all of it. We're going to win this fight. There are a lot of solutions. Thank goodness. I'm going to offer just a few, and of course I challenge you to create and contribute your own. Number one, we have to start with digital media literacy, and clearly it must have a gendered lens. Kids, schools, caregivers, parents, it's essential. Two, shall we talk about our friends in tech? Said with dignity and respect, the sexism in your workplaces must end. Edge. 
the global standard for gender equality is the minimum standard. And guess what? Silicon Valley, if L'Oreal in India, in the Philippines, in Brazil, and in Russia can do it, you can too. Enough excuses. Only when women have critical mass in every department at your companies, including building platforms from the ground up, will the conversations about priorities and solutions change. And more love for my friends in tech, profiteering off misogyny and video games must end. I'm so tired of hearing you talk to me at cocktail parties, like you did a couple weeks ago in Aspen, about how deplorable hashtag Gamergate was when you're still making billions of dollars off games that maim and dump women for sport. Basta, as the Italians would say. Enough. Our friends in law enforcement have much to do because we've seen that online violence is an extension of in-person violence. In our country, more girls and women have been murdered by their intimate partners than died on 9-11 and have died since in Afghanistan and Iraq combined. And it's not cool to say that, but it is true. We care so much geopolitically about what men are doing over there to women over there. In 2015, 72,828 women used intimate partner violence services in this country. That is not counting the girls and women and boys who needed them. Law enforcement must be empowered with up-to-date internet technology, the devices, and an understanding of these platforms, how they work. The police wanted to be helpful when Amanda Hess called about the death threat she was getting on Twitter, but they couldn't really when they said, what's Twitter? <laughs> Our legislators must write and pass astute legislation that reflects today's technology and our notions of free and hate speech. In New York recently, the law could not be applied to a perpetrator because the crimes must have been committed, even if it was anonymous, they must have been committed by telephone, in mail, by telegraph. Mm. The language must be technologically neutral. Mm. So apparently, I've got a pretty bold voice. So let's talk about our friends. White men, you have a role to play and a choice to make. You can do something or you can do nothing. We're cool in this room, but when this goes out, everyone will say, oh my God, she's a reverse racist. Yeah, that quote was said by a white man, Robert Morris, chairperson, Price Waterhouse Cooper. He asked me to include it in my talk. Your talk? We need to grow support lines and help groups so victims can help each other when their lives and finances have been derailed. We must, as individuals, disrupt gender violence. As it is happening, 92% of young people, 29 and under, witness it. 72% of us have witnessed it. We must have the courage and urgency to practice stopping it as it is unfolding. And lastly, Believe her. Believe her.
Excuse me. I feel like I'm on a cough or something. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. A little bit more about Donald Trump. Trump's decision to impose tariffs draws bipartisan condemnation. That totally means that both sides, Democrats and Republicans, are totally, totally in disagreement with what he has done and is doing. I mean, he's going to cause cause an economic economic crash in the United States. And and he's doing it purposely. The guy knows what he's doing. He's trying to destroy America. And now both the Republicans and the Democrats are in alliance on this. Congress cannot be complicit as the administration courts economic disaster. And that's what it is. It's about to become economic disaster. Trump is taking the country down. Trump is crushing America. Uh, Congress has to do something to override this, take away these tariffs, because this is a mess. I mean, if if he's putting a tariff, a tax on aluminum and steel and, and exempting some countries, it's it's a bad idea. It's especially bad for America because everything is going to go up. Car prices are going to go up. Uh, canned foods, stuff, anything that's made of aluminum, and 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 steel is going to go through the roof. And this guy, he will not listen to anybody. He will not listen to his lawyers. He will not listen to his advisors. He will not listen to people who are professional professionals and ha- has experienced in this kind of thing. He will, Trump has no experience in nothing but paying for sex. How in the hell does he know anything about ter- tariffs? 
he 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 pays for sex and and he lies. That's about what he's what he the, the extent of his experience as a politician. He doesn't know what he's doing. All he knows is that imposing these tariffs will hurt Americans. He knows that. He, he it will hurt us in our it will in our pocketbook books. It will be an economic disaster. The country will go down. We may go back to 19 the 1930s the 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 depression of the 1930s with this guy and and if he does take the country down with the, with this tariff uh these ter- these imposed tariffs he's going to he's going to lie his way out of it and say it wasn't his fault he didn't do it you know he he's going to lie his way out now this is if they don't want an economic disaster being caused by Donald Trump congress uh, including Democrats, are going to have to stand up and say, we have to stop this. Because Congress, it's an equal, uh, it's an equal branch of the government. It's an equal branch. If the president is trying to bring the country down and it's, and, and it's obvious, Congress has to step in and say, no, we're not going to let that happen. And that's what it has to happen now. It has to happen uh, they have to get together, override him or something, or or uh, do something uh, besides doing nothing and do something besides hurt hurt the American people, because this man is about to to ruin this country. And I've said before at the end of the show, at the beginning of the show, and sometimes in previous shows, Donald Trump is purposely trying to destroy America. I mean, he's going down. Donald Trump is going down in the Russia investigation, so he has to do something to try to destroy America because he feels that America is trying to destroy him. So he wants, and there's no doubt about it, and I've said this several times, Donald Trump has a war on the people of America. He doesn't have a war with Iran or Russia or Korea. His war is with us, the American people. You see, you, you can, and there and in their eyes is the state of California. If you uh, understand, Jerry Brown gotten his ass, gotten uh, uh, Jeff Sessions' ass, and that was a great thing. That, that was a moment of uh, a moment to cherish. But this tariff, uh, imposed tariffs that he signed, this is bad for America. It's bad for you. It's bad for everybody. But Trump is. That's uh, good. Is. Trade wars are good. The only thing this guy's trade wars are good. Trade wars, trade wars are good. How the hell you know trade wars are good? You don't even know what the hell you doing as president of the United States. You just a you you just a guy off the damn corner. The hell do you know? You've been selling watches on Fifth Avenue, and you come in to the presidency and say trade wars are good. How in the hell do you know? You never been involved in a trade war. You never, uh, Trump, is, you, you never uh, held office. You don't know anything about politics. You just lied and con your way into the into the office and become a criminal. Yeah, I'm pissed off because the guy is trying to take America down. He wants to take it down. You feel America isn't on his side, so he wants to come back and because he he wants to come back and retaliate. You see, uh, you can tell this by the way he calls. Anybody who disagrees with him or anybody who tries to tell the truth on him because he doesn't like the truth because the truth makes him look bad. And they start calling people names. 
He's a name-calling son of a bitch. Excuse me. <laughs> he is a name-calling president. And the worst thing that ever happened to America. This guy is incompetent. He's unfit. He's mean. He's vile. He's lazy. But the only thing he knows is that he wants to get even with America. President Donald Trump's decision to impose steep tariffs on steel and aluminum imports draw rare bipartisan. That means that the Democrats and the Republicans are together in opposition to this. Lawmakers who warn the move could trigger a transatlantic trade war and hurt U.S. companies. This is what Donald Trump wants. He wants to hurt America. He lives to hurt America. He feels that America is trying to hurt him him with these investigations. Trump signed proclamations allowing tariffs of 25% on steel and 10% on aluminum to take effect later this month. It may not take effect if Congress gets involved and override this crap, take it away, keep Trump from destroying this country because he is deliberate on doing so. The guy is insane. He's insane. Why don't they throw this guy out on his ass? We don't need, excuse me, we don't need to wait for Mueller's investigation to conclude. We need to get rid of this guy now. Or America is going to wind up being one of his business businesses that failed. And he's, he had, He's had lots of businesses that failed. His pageant failed. His television show failed. And now he's failing America. And he's deliberately doing it. He doesn't care what Republicans think. He doesn't care what uh, 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 Democrats think. He doesn't care what America thinks. It's all about what he wants and what he thinks. And he has no experience being a politician. He doesn't, everybody says he doesn't know what he's doing. He's unethical. He's vile. He's inexperienced. He's above, he's in over his head, but you can't tell that, that son of a bitch that he doesn't listen to his lawyers. He doesn't listen to American people. He doesn't listen to the Republicans. He doesn't listen to anybody, but, but that brain cell inside of him, which is crazy, buffoonish, demented. This guy is just crazy. So what what, um, uh, should happen is that they should just override. I heard something to the effect that they was going to try to override this or stop this from happening because they are an equal body of the government. So Trump doesn't control Congress and Congress doesn't control Trump, but they are supposed to be that there's supposed to be checks and balances on each branch of government. And this time, Congress has to check and balance the executive branch, Donald Trump. Surrounded by a group of steelmakers, Vice President Mike Pence, which is, he's a piece of shit, uh, Treasury Secretary. Uh, Steve Muchin and Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross, all of these clowns, uh, Trump approvingly, approvingly cited the President uh, William McKinney.
Henley, a champion of protection, protectionist economic policy to support his trade decision. William McKinley, president, he's dead. He's dead. Why is he citing someone who's dead? And more likely, I'm going to tell you something. I wasn't around when William McKinley was president. You probably wasn't either. But I'm tell you, I can tell you this. He was a better president than Donald Trump is. Uh, so, so Congress has to step in. If, if, if both Congress, if both chambers of Congress, the Republicans and Democrats, disagree with this, and the American people dis- disagree with that, this is going to take America down, they should step in and do something. Do something. Don't let this guy destroy America. Don't let this guy take America. Really, he's already destroyed so much of America, but he wants to obliterate this country. The best thing they can do is throw his ass out. Throw him out to the curve. And I have a feeling it's going to happen. It, it, it just, it's just taking so damn long. And this man is free to destroy the country. And it's wrong. And it shouldn't be happening. It just should not then be happening. Of the 11 people featured in those images of Team Trump, only the president... As I bring in my first guest, senior political commentators Van Jones and Mike Shields, also Republican strategist Rick Wilson. I have to All right, Keith Olbermann. I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. I am confident now, even more so than I have been throughout the last year, that this nightmare presidency of Donald John Trump will end prematurely and end soon, and I am thus also confident that this is the correct moment to end this series of commentaries. The important stuff first. There are seven routes in front of Trump. Each inevitably ends in his impeachment or resignation. The first, the likeliest, became a thousand times more likely with the Thanksgiving news of a possible deal between Robert Mueller and General Michael Flynn. As I reported here as long ago as April 4th, the most specifically qualified expert alive on the subject of prosecuting a president, my friend, the Nixon White House counsel John Dean, put it to me very simply. Mueller is not shooting down. Mueller does not make a deal with Flynn to get Paul Manafort. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Jared Kushner. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Trump Jr. Mueller makes a deal with Flynn to get Donald Trump. Period. The Flynn deal report suggests Mueller has completely assembled the backbone of his case and is now just hanging the meat from it. And just as importantly, if Flynn has merely considered a deal from Mueller, it almost necessarily means Flynn either doesn't believe he would get a pardon from Trump or that Mueller, as I've also reported here, has succeeded in finding a way around Trump's pardon power. And either of these near certainties spell Trump's doom. So that's the most obvious of the seven ways for Trump to go now. Mueller really will get him on Russia. It will be ugly, and it will tear this country nearly apart, but it will be necessary. The second way is, as I've also repeatedly suggested here, that Mueller doesn't really need to prove anything about Trump and Russian sabotage of the election. There seems to be so much obstruction of justice, from the firing of James Comey to the lies about Trump Jr.'s meetings with the Russians, that it's hard to pick out a key player in the Trump inner circle who could not be guilty of it. Trump could be impeached on just obstruction of justice and a few lesser charges. Nixon was about to be. Or there is a third way. 
we could be spared the trauma of a Russia impeachment or an obstruction of justice impeachment as we were spared it with Nixon if Trump is smart or just sufficiently scared enough and he resigns or if he isn't those around him who could still sell themselves by selling him out will force him to resign a modified version of this of course is the fourth possible outcome that even if Mueller is months away from his denouement the Republicans will impeach or remove Trump by spring purely to save their own asses. The state elections in Virginia and Oklahoma earlier this month show what could face Republican incumbents nationwide next November. Not only were Democratic victories overwhelming, but half of them were little morality plays. The 26-year-old lesbian beats the Republican in the district Trump won by nearly 40 points a year ago. The transgendered candidate in Virginia beats the guy who wrote an anti-equality bathroom bill. The boyfriend of a news reporter shot to death on camera beats the Republican pro-NRA candidate. I'll say it again. Richard Nixon was not forced out of office by Democrats, not really even by Watergate. Democrats controlled the Senate and the House every day Richard Nixon was president. They could have impeached him at any point. He resigned when the leading Republicans went into the White House and told him that not only would he be impeached and convicted, but he would take all of them down with him and they were not going to let him do that. So that's the fourth way out. Trump becomes more of an albatross to Republicans and more importantly more of a rallying cry to Democrats and the Republicans remove him before the midterms and then boastfully run for re-election on having removed him. The fifth endgame is the same thing only faster. The Republicans around him pull off that palace coup that is perfectly legal under the 25th Amendment and Mike Pence and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell eject Trump by simply stating he is unfit and getting their majorities to agree he's unfit. And if you don't think Pence and Ryan and McConnell would do that, you didn't see Trump's crazy tweet about the Man of the Year award or this thing in front of the Native Americans on Monday, and you don't know Pence and Ryan and McConnell. The sixth means by which Trump leaves early is, of course, that if the Republicans don't impeach Trump before the midterms, the Democrats will be able to after the midterms. If Virginia and New Jersey and Oklahoma are indicators, the Democrats could take the House and might need as few as 25 vulnerable Republicans in the Senate to vote guilty to remove Trump from office. But now there is a seventh new path to destruction for Trump, and it has bubbled up from the sewer of his life recently. And even with how Teflon he has been on this particular subject, it seems hard to believe the dam won't break. His sexual conduct as not one snowball, but a decade's worth of them have come down that hill, wiping out all the sleaze bags and emboldening and empowering the victims. It seems impossible to believe that some claimant somewhere does not have tangible evidence against Trump and that they won't say to hell with it and break one of those non-disclosure agreements and Trump will suddenly be envying Harvey Weinstein. Trump himself inadvertently has hinted at this. The New York Times buried the lead on this over the weekend but it reported that earlier this year, Trump told a senator that the Access Hollywood pussy grabber tape was a fake. And he has said the same thing again recently to a White House staffer. He's obviously trying to work the refs of public opinion in advance for whatever is coming next, from a woman here or from Russia. So, I don't see any way out for Trump. Seven freight trains rushing at him. He might avoid a few. He might avoid six of them. He's not going to dance his way out from under all seven. And we, I think, 
should try to put ourselves in the mindset of those Americans who knew Richard Nixon was guilty as hell after John Dean finished testifying on June 27, 1973. But we're all left wondering if there would ever be a way to prove it. And we're left listening to a majority of the country saying Dean was lying and left watching nearly the entirety of the gullible news media saying this was nonsense. Why would a president, even one as crazy as Nixon, ever do this? And more importantly, even if he were somehow guilty, how would he ever be dumb enough to leave any evidence of his guilt? And 16 days later, it turned out Virtually everything in the Oval Office had been taped, and the ball game was over, even though it would last another 13 months. Well, this ball game is also over, and I don't think it's going to last another 13 months. And so this series is over. This was intended as something temporary, a two-month project by somebody who had given up politics. And instead it became 187 commentaries and around 225,000 words and something approaching 400 million views. And I am proud of it and I repudiate none of it. And it has been my privilege to do it and I'm especially proud to have done these videos for free and for charity. But frankly, I have not enjoyed one minute of it. As I'm certain it has also been for you, for me, it has been unadulterated pain and revulsion and horror. The process has become nearly 24-7, and I've said so much that I can and have recycled old commentaries from months ago, and they have been fully applicable to breaking news. We've come full circle to such a complete degree that on Sunday, Trump tweeted a complaint about, quote, Russia, Russia, Russia. The title of the 46th episode of The Resistance from last March 14th was, quote, Russia, Russia, Russia. I've made my point. So now that I think the outcomes, the seven different inevitable outcomes, are unavoidable, I'd like to go back and enjoy some of my life again, and I'm going to. No illness, no scandal, no firing, just I've said what I've had to say. It was as obvious as I made it seem. I give my work everything I can, so it's not like I can dial it back. And I think even this dim-witted world of American political TV reporting, which is still calculating how to get Trump's idiot supporters to watch their networks and still waiting for Trump to pivot, even it can carry this the rest of the way. So I am retiring from political commentary in all media venues. This is not to say a bed of roses and reconciliation awaits us. The post-Trump America will be relieved of his prodigious evil, but in its place it will have Trump as living martyr. That prodigious evil and rank hypocrisy and immorality of his supporters, perhaps a third of us, will not vanish with him, and I'm not sure that the democracy has not been damaged too much to deal with their lawless, unprincipled rebellion, and I do not see this country's politics truly healing in the next 30 or 40 years. But at least the bleeding will be staunched. And we will have a chance to alter a phrase I heard somewhere to make America, America again. Thank you for all the kind words and all the support. Thank you, Kate. Have fun storming the castle. My work here is done. Matter of fact, so is Trump's. Resist all right, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Is Bye. Donald Trump broke? We may need Could a be. Werther movement to find out the truth. I'm Drew Levine from statesmith.com. Donald Trump loves to brag about how rich he is. 
I'm very rich. I'm really rich. I'm the most successful person ever to run. Fortunately, I'm probably, very rich. So I have probably don't have a cent. And now with the increase, it'll be well over $10 billion. In fact, his entire claim to legitimacy as a presidential candidate depended on the story that he was a wealthy and successful businessman, a billionaire. But the evidence may actually be telling a different story. According to Robert Hockett, a distinguished professor of law and public affairs at Cornell University, there's reason to believe that not only might Trump not actually be a billionaire, but he well, may be completely one. underwater financially. Foremost, of course, it is well known that at least six of Trump's businesses have filed for bankruptcy over the years, with one of them, Trump Entertainment Resorts, filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy as recently as 2009. We also know that since his inauguration, aggrieved Trump hotel contractors have placed liens on his properties for unpaid bills, which begs the obvious question, why would a billionaire have so much trouble paying his bills? We know that Trump has used the power and platform of his presidency to further his own business interests and the interests of his family, using the Twitter bully pulpit to shame Nordstrom for dropping Ivanka's line of clothing and prompting his counselor, Kellyanne Conway, to shill Ivanka's business on Fox News. Then, of course, there is the enormous, giant, orange elephant in the room, Trump's failure to release his personal tax returns. So how does he stay afloat? Well, if the allegations in the Steele dossier are to be taken seriously, it's possible that he depends on various Russian oligarchs to keep open a revolving line of credit to assuage his gaudy lifestyle. So is Trump a billionaire? Is he the successful and wealthy businessman that he claims to be? The truth is, we don't actually know. And we won't know until he releases his tax returns. No, we don't know. So if you remember the racist birther movement and his demand really that Obama release his long-form birth certificate, I think that we're long overdue for a worther movement. Release those tax returns, Mr. Trump.
Trump's favorable ratings are the lowest, I believe, for any Hi, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Yeah, good evening, sir. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing? Doing all right. Um, I just wanted to ask, um, politically, uh, would you consider yourself like to the left and sort of in the middle or to the right politically? Basically, personally, I'm in the middle. <laughs> I mean, okay. I feel like I can, I, I criticize both sides where I see fit. I'm in the middle. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. Uh, I'm just a concerned citizen, basically. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm sort of the same as you. I'm an independent, and I'm sort of trying yeah. to look at both sides evenly and go issue by issue. And this is something yeah. I always wanted to ask you, because I've, I've been sort of fascinated, you know, observing uh, this the current administration. And I just want to ask you if you notice, like, is it just me, or does it seem like the media and the D.C. establishment itself is, like, hyperly critical of this president, like, more than almost any other president I can remember in recent time. Like, I mean, this is, have you ever seen anything like this? Like, I've never seen a president, No, I like, haven't. I have, I, I, I've never move. seen anything like, I've I never seen anything like this. I've never seen a president like this. I've never seen America uh, in the situation that it's in. You know, I, I, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, and I've been around a long time. I'm even critical of Trump. The Republicans are critical of Trump. You know, uh, I mean, some of the things he, he, he sets forth, some of the things he does, some, and he just does it out of, I think he just, does it, just gets a whim and just starts to do things. You know, I, yeah, I've been right, critical right. of him. Yeah. I've been critical of Democrats also. Yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being critical of any president. It's just my whole thing is just like, it's it's the way like I see the media conducting itself. Like you notice when um, when Robert Nunes was bringing out the memos having to do with some questions about how things were handled at the senior level of the FBI and how different yeah. you know um, different groups who may have been involved in wiretapping and going after some of the Trump campaign people beforehand and they were sort of abusing the FISA court. Like that was like a major thing. And I just like I was blown away how the media was like literally the media was in defense mode. Like the media was like, instead of doing what they usually or what they're supposed to do, which is if there's even a hint of something going on, they should be all in investigating it, tracking it down. Instead, they went out there and they were like attacking Nunes and they were just like immediately trying to discredit it. And it's like, it's like the media is like working for the Democrats. I mean, this is like, is there, what happened to objective news coverage? I'm blown yeah, away by it. I, I do think some of the media leans less. Don't no doubt about it, and I do think they uh, cherry pick whatever they want to talk about or whatever they want to throw out there to the public. I think Fox News is the same way. You know, I, I uh, you know, we can complain about it, we can we can not like it, and uh, but you know, I do think uh, the media as a whole lean towards the left, especially when it comes to this president. Yeah, because isn't it? I mean, I like, kind of fascinated. Like the last couple of presidents, you ever notice? Like, take SNL for example. Like, where was SNL when Obama was president? Like, how come? You know what I mean? Notice that? Like, too? they. I mean, they ran skits on Obama too. I mean, because I was watching it, they they were critical of Obama too. Uh, uh, you know. So I'm 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 thinking that you're pro Trump. Well, this election, yes, I, did. I actually did vote for him because. It was the lesser of two evils. I mean, it was sort of like, 
it was either an outsider with flaws who was personally flawed, or it was this like historically politically corrupt person in Hillary Clinton. Who I, I'm still amazed that she got away with what she got away with. I mean, like I don't know if you served in the military, but I've been in the military and I had a you know national security clearance and have to deal with certain classified things. And I know for a fact if I had done even a fifth of what she did, I was I would have gone to prison. And she got some I mean, the fact are, that she got away with that. It's unbelievable. Some people, some people are saying Donald Trump has gotten away with a lot of stuff too. I mean, if this has been a Democrat, he would have been in, he or she would have been impeached long ago. They're saying Donald Trump has skirted around the law, skirted skirted around the Constitution, uh, and you know, and, and he's still there. So some people are saying the same thing. I mean, oh, it, it, it's can you it's, can you give me an example? Like what? Can you give like an actual example? Because I've been I've been watching it. It just seems like with with Trump, it seems like they just have a lot of hype around him, and it, versus actual hype. real stuff. Yeah, because I feel oh, like a lot of, with the way, yeah, you know what I mean. Like I if, say, if there was like something there, like let's take Russia collusion. Like if there was an actual tangible thing, he would have been brought down. I mean, look at the way they're look at how they're all in attacking this guy. If if and it shows to me that there's really nothing there. Because if it was, he would have been done. You know what I'm saying? You can tell. You can see it. Like, they want to take him out, but they just they can't really do it because there's not a real connection they can actually pursue. But, the you know, the, the uh, investigation uh, into Russia collusion uh, and obstruction of justice goes on. So you really can't say that until the, until the investigations have concluded because we don't know what Bob Mueller has. Yeah, but it, it's, it, you can see that it's obviously not going to conclude. Like it's, I mean, I've been following it real close, and if you look at how much yeah. money and time has been invested in it, by this point, we're talking about what a year and a half of an investigation, and at this point, it's pretty clear what what the investigation has turned into. It's no longer an investigation on Russian collusion. It's basically they're trying to uh, present an impeachment, uh, some something that the if the Democrats take the House back, and and obviously they're not going to get the Senate, but at least if they get the House to give them something well, they might to actually the present as impeachment. Uh, the Senate, I don't think so. I mean, the numbers because, just aren't there. If you look uh, at the number uh, of I, Democrats I, I, versus senators, up for real. I understand that uh, they, they have they have the majority in the House. I mean, in the Senate, but it's uh, it's it's very very uh, uh, it's weak. So that that's why I say they yeah. probably can take the House also. Yeah, I'm saying they can. The House, I think they can definitely get the Congress. I mean, the Senate, I just because the fact that you got 23 Democrats for re-election in something yeah. like somewhere yeah. like eight to ten republicans it just and then when you consider out of the 23 democrats it's like 10 of them are in states that trump won it just seems really unlikely that they're going to take the, the senate back and so if that happens they, they won't be able to impeach him no matter what because in order to have an impeachment you have to have two-thirds of the senate and they're not going to have the numbers to pull it off so it, well, well, we what we're going to head to yeah we don't know yet we don't know that yet because democrats the voters are fired up. I mean, people are just fired up to vote. And they say, I'm hearing that people will walk through burning fire to vote. Okay, because the majority of the, as you probably know, the majority of Americans do not like Trump. Yeah, but that's based on what, though, to say that? Are you asking me? Yeah, like, I mean, how do you know that? Well, I, 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 think, it's based, I think it's based on... Uh, a lot of things, you know, I mean, uh, based on a lot of things, the media? A lot of things he's, I think it based on a lot of the lies he's, he's been telling and the lies of 
he's been caught up in. And uh, I don't think too many people want uh, uh, a liar in the White House. I mean, he's a pathological liar. There's no doubt about it. There's plenty of proof of that. It's, um, it's just not me. Uh, have you, have you, when's the last time we ever had an honest politician, whether they be the Republican or Democrat? Um, you know, I don't believe, I, I think all politicians are liars. I think they're all, but Same here. we haven't, <laughs> we haven't seen anything like this uh, since the, in the Donald Trump administration. I haven't seen anything like this in, in my entire life. Uh, they're all liars. Right, because you got an outsider. I mean, don't you kind of feel like it's because he's an outsider? That's why he's, he, he's being treated in this manner. Like, for example, clearly you go back to Obama, Bush, Clinton, Senior Reagan, they were all liars. They all lied on, like, significant. They did a whole lot of corruption. But when you're, when you're part of the clubhouse, you get treated in a certain way where, the, you know, they, they treat you in a certain manner. Then you got this guy who came out of nowhere who was already financially well off, has already had a name. He didn't enrich himself from the actual system itself like these other politicians have. He, does, he, didn't de he doesn't depend on the D.C. political system like the way these other politicians need it in order to get enrich themselves. And so he sort of comes in and they're looking at this guy like, you know, who are you and who do you think you are challenging us? And does, don't you kind of sense that they're all sort of coming together against him? I mean, look how the Republicans were until recently. They were opposing him on almost everything until like the last six months, they all of a sudden decided to get behind him. Yeah, you are a uh, Trump supporter. I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't fault you for that. But you know, we've we haven't seen anything uh, like this in a long time, <laughs> or, or ever. Uh, there's people who are calling him the worst president in American history. How do you feel about that? Yeah, well, that's that's subjective based. You know, I'm pretty sure the person is saying that's clearly going to have a liberal bent. I mean, when I look at him, when I evaluate him, I say, what was he able to accomplish? And what type of resistance did he have? And with the resistance that he had, the fact that he's able to get any legislation through has been nothing short of incredible. Especially when you have yeah. a bunch of Republicans who are, who are vindictive against him, like John McCain, for one example, who literally sabotaged mm -hmm. the whole health care vote. I mean, you remember what he did that day when he just showed up and just totally threw a wrench in the whole plan. And so the fact that he's even gotten tax reform through is nothing short of a miracle. All right. Thank you for your call. Bye-bye. All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We're going to do um, Bernie Sanders. All right, thank you for your time. Trump's favorable ratings are the lowest, I believe, for any president who has served the length of time that he has served. So people look at Washington, and they don't see much that they feel very good about. And I think there are a couple of reasons for that, which this budget really demonstrates. Number one... There are politicians who run for office and they say one thing. Uh, President Trump, when he was a candidate, ran for office and he said, I'm a different type of Republican. I'm not the Mick Mulvaney type of Republican. I'm different. I'm going to stand with working families. We're going to take on the establishment and so forth and so on. Well, it turns out he did exactly the opposite. And this budget is a clear manifestation of him doing exactly the opposite. Uh, and second of all, I think what the American people understand is their one vote, their one voice matters relatively little in a Congress which is dominated by big money, wealthy campaign contributors. The Koch brothers are going to spend some $400 million in the coming 
campaign. And you know what? This budget is the budget of the Koch brothers. It is the budget of the billionaire class, and the American people understand it. This is a budget which will make it harder for our children to get a decent education, harder for working families to get the health care they desperately need, harder to protect the air that we breathe and the water we drink, and harder for the elderly to live out their retirement years with dignity and respect. This is not a budget, as candidate Donald Trump talked about, that takes on the political establishment. This is a budget of the political establishment. This is the Robin Hood principle in reverse. It is a budget that takes from the poor and gives to the very wealthy. During the campaign, as we'll all recall, Donald Trump told us that, quote, the rich will not be gaining at all, end quote, under his tax reform plan. Rich will not be gaining at all. But as president, the tax reform legislation Trump signed into law a few weeks ago provides 83% of the benefits to the top 1%, raises taxes on millions of middle-class families, and drives up the deficit by $1.7 trillion by the end of the decade. And if you are wondering how President Trump plans to pay for his massive tax cuts to millionaires, billionaires, and large corporations, this budget answers that question for you by breaking his campaign pledge not to cut Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. In fact, President Trump's budget would slash Medicaid by over $1.3 trillion, cut Medicare by over $500 billion, and reduce Social Security by nearly $25 billion. Mr. Chairman, as you know, Medicaid now pays for more than two-thirds of all nursing home care in our country. What happens to senior citizens who have their nursing home coverage paid for by Medicaid if that program is cut by $1.3 trillion? Think about it. People now in nursing homes with Alzheimer's, serious illnesses, massive cuts, what happens to them? What happens to their families? And it's not just seniors. Today, Medicaid covers millions of children with special needs. We are the only major country on earth not to guarantee health care to all people, and this budget would then throw millions more people off the health insurance they have. We have an opioid epidemic that every person up here talks about every day. But when you slash Medicaid by a trillion dollars, you make it infinitely harder for communities, cities, states to deal with this terrible crisis. During his campaign, Donald Trump told the American people that he was going to provide, and I quote, health insurance from everybody, end quote, with much lower deductibles. But President Trump's budget would throw an estimated 32 million people off the health care they currently have. 32 million people. And at the same time, it would substantially raise premiums for older Americans. Mr. Chairman, what this budget is about is a massive transfer of wealth from working families, the elderly, the children, the sick and the poor, and the most vulnerable people in our country to the top 1% and large corporations. As a candidate, Trump said that he understood the pain that working families across the country were feeling. Well, 
Mr. President, you are not responding to that pain when you propose a budget that would throw over a million children off after-school programs. You're not a champion of working families. You're not responding to pain when your budget would kick a half a million families out of their homes by gutting affordable housing. We have a massive crisis in affordable housing from coast to coast. This budget would make it much, much worse. You don't help working families, Mr. President or Mr. Mulvaney, by throwing more than 100,000 children off of Head Start. We need to move to universal pre-K. Every family in America should know that their kids have good quality child care. You don't throw 100,000 children off of Head Start. You don't help working families when your budget would eliminate financial aid to more than a million and a half low-income college students. Kids are graduating school, 30, 40, $100,000 in debt. This budget makes their problems even worse. You're not a, quote, different kind of Republican by proposing a budget that would eliminate heating assistance to nearly 7 million families in this country. Let me tell the President, Mr. Mulvaney, it gets cold in Vermont and many other parts in this country. Many of our elderly people keep warm in the wintertime through the low-income heating assistance program. Don't eliminate it. Mr. Chairman, while President Trump tells us we don't have enough money to help the working people of this country, he does believe that we have enough money to provide a massive, massive, massive increase in the Pentagon, an agency of government that has not been able to do an audit and where study after study shows us that there are hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in waste. So, Mr. Chairman, the good news is this budget is going nowhere. Everybody knows that. But it does indicate where Trump and his friends are coming from. And the American people have got to understand that. And we've got to stand up and say, no, these are not the priorities of, these, of this country. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Senator Sanders. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Donald Trump and his lawyers aren't just looking to interfere with the investigation into the last election. They're not just looking to disrupt it. They might go a step farther than that. The Washington Post reports that Trump has, quote, asked his advisors about his power to pardon aides, family members, and even himself in connection with the probe, according to someone familiar with the effort. A second person said Trump's lawyers have been discussing the president's pardoning powers among themselves, which is just standard operating procedure when you're, you and all the people you know are innocent of crimes. You just talk a lot about pardoning. <laughs> just, you're just curious about pardoning. You it comes know up. It, can it save comes you. up. It does. Uh, Jay Sekulow, Trump's attorney, says. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. It is all about making the world a better place. Join me.
All right, Donald Trump will meet with Kim Jong Un by May. The yeah, George it's supposed Wilder to be a meeting. The show is now yeah, on uh, the air. It no, is uh, all about Donald Trump will meet with Kim Jong Un by May. South Korea says, okay, and Trump himself says. Trump, uh, Kim reportedly expressed its his eagerness to meet with Trump. Let's hope he doesn't. <laughs> Let's hope he Trump's coffee or whatever or soda pop. Um, um, I don't know if Trump has agreed, but I'm thinking that he has. But uh, I, I don't believe any of this until it happens. You know, they, they're saying that they're going to meet by this is the latest thing so far that uh, uh, has come from Trump. I'm pretty sure it's a, uh, it's a distraction. It always is. It's always a distraction. And um, because it distracts you from the previous scandals <laughs> to something else. Anyway, Donald Trump will meet with Kim Jong-un of, of North Korea by May, says South Korea. So, you know, this is coming from North Korea, South Korea. You know, I'll believe it when I when I uh, when it happens, if it happens, because we know Donald Trump is subjected to changing his mind at any moment. Somebody is somebody will whisper in his ear and all of a sudden, bang, it's not going to happen. No meeting is going to happen at, at all. Anyway, President Donald Trump will meet will meet with uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong Un by May in an effort to persuade the regime to abandon its nuclear weapons program. Uh, that's going to be a task, you think? Do you really think? All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It's been great, folks. We're going to take a few days off to do some writing and maybe run some errands here and there. Uh, we will be back on Monday. Uh, we're going to have a whole slew of guests on the show. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in, everybody for calling, everybody for um, adding your uh, input on whatever you were uh, talking about or, um, or suggesting. Uh, I want to thank everybody for that. And you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We will be back. We will be back starting Monday. The month is going by really, really fast. This is March. And at the recording of the show, this it's March. And it, the month is going by pretty, pretty fast. And as as 2018 is <laughs> going by pretty fast and you know and that's how it goes things things do not stay the same it goes goes uh, pretty fast okay so what are we looking for here all right trump will visit uh, north korea and try to talk him out of not sending missiles our way right uh <laughs> that's that that's interesting that's very very interesting and um, here we go. Heaven help the child who never had a home. Heaven help the girl who walks the streets alone. Heaven help the roses. Bombs begin to fall Heaven help the black man If he struggles one more day 